Today's episode is presented by Tudor University. It's the only online learning resource for college coaches who want to become dominant recruiters. Visit dantutor.com for all the details. And now, it's time for the show. That's right, it's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, the guy who always eats all the mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Hey coach, welcome aboard. This is Dan. Great to have you with us on another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Have a good one, another good one for you today. We are going to be talking to Brian Stanchak, and he is the head of the BDS agency, a very popular agent in the world of college athletics, and many many coaches are associated with him, lined up with him, especially on the basketball side of the equation. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked, uh, he and I talked about just what all the coaches are going through as this pandemic and crisis continues to unfold. We are getting into the summer of 2020 now as I'm uh, talking to you here, and a lot of coaches have questions, and a lot of careers have been either derailed or paused, and a lot of coaches just have questions about how they're supposed to position themselves during something like this. And we went to Brian for answers because he is smart. We trust him. He's actually one of the speakers for our 2020 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference, which we're excited about. You can find more information about all of that and how to see his talk on dantutor.com. Just go to the conferences link. The the big topic of this conversation, though, that he and I were having that I want to let you listen in on is what should coaches be doing to – to rally and to um, to really get through this this odd, difficult once in a lifetime, hopefully, situation. And we started off the conversation with a pretty simple question: What is he hearing from coaches, and what are all of you coming at him with, and other agents who might be helping their careers with, in terms of a, a path forward and what to do right now? What is the temperature in the room, and that is what we started off this conversation by asking Brian. Well, obviously, this is an unprecedented time for, uh, you know, not just coaches, but administrators, fans, and and people in general. And so, um, you know, it's it's really forcing people to uh, evaluate their their careers and um, really just take a step back. And, uh, you know, the one thing I say is, and I kind of joke a little bit, but, you know, it's it's a, a awful year to have a great year and it's a great year to have an awful year because <laughs> of, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it certainly has thrown a lifeline out to some coaches um, who, you know, universities are not going to buy out contracts when – and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that when they're being forced to furlough employees or take pay cuts. And so it's thrown a lifeline out to a lot of coaches. Um, But it also has made things challenging for the coaches who uh, have had incredibly successful seasons. And this is not every school, but, you know, there are some coaches where administrators are not going to be in a position to um, increase salaries because one, either they might not be able to financially, or two, perception-wise, how can when a school is 
taking pay cuts and furloughing people, can they justify giving a significant raise? And so um, it's certainly impacted coaches from uh, a financial and career growth standpoint. Um, But as I said, it it could have impacted people positively as well because, um, you know, I think that, and it's not just, you know, uh, coaches being say, it's, it's the continuity um, that coaches bring. If you have a good person leading your program and they just haven't had the success, um, they're they're going to be provided adi- these additional um, additional time to be able to help that university and their program through this, and and then hopefully it works out for them long term beyond this season. So it's not just um, looking at it from a financial aspect as well. So, Brian, you work, your firm works with a lot of different coaches uh, at a lot of different levels. And I'm just wondering, with what you just said, is there any difference or do you see any kind of variation happening between division levels, say a D1 coach versus a D3 or large school versus small? Uh, I'm just wondering if there's any kind of trend that you see or is this just blanket? Everybody's affected the same way when it comes to what you just discussed. Well, everyone's being impacted in different ways, but everyone is being impacted. Um, at the Division One level, if you're a head coach, you have a multi-year contract. And so it is very challenging at that point to have to furlough or to be able to furlough a coach who has a guaranteed contract that's, that's a multi-year contract and, and promised and a, a certain salary amount. Whereas um, non-Division One head coaches, a lot of times they're on annual appointment and it's easy to be able to furlough or decrease salaries. It's the same thing with division one assistants who aren't on multi-year contracts or guaranteed contracts. Um, So there's that aspect of it. But as I said, I mean, coaches are being impacted in so many different ways and and the most publicized ways are these salary reductions that uh, coaches are volunteering. And for coaches under contract or employees under contract, that's when they cannot be forced to reduce their salary. That's when they have to, in quotes, volunteer their salary reduction. Um, now, again, that's the most public way that you see coaches being impacted. But I've also had numerous clients who have been forced to furlough their employees, have been forced to for um, forego receiving achievement bonuses for the next one or two years, who have been forced to uh, terminate uh, positions on their staff. Right. And so you're not seeing that as much as you're seeing the university's furlough and uh, take voluntary salary reductions, but but people are being impacted in so many different ways. With uh, And I know you're not uh, uh, the accountant equation in, in college athletics and working with the clients that you work with, but you do sort of vicariously find out about the financial health of a department or, or the direction that they're going in the middle of all this uh, crisis through the work that you do with, with your coaches that, uh, that you advise and represent. And so I guess I'm just wondering, what are you hearing on the financial side that your coaches are being told to prepare for or to be aware of, or, you know, again, being asked to take reductions? What can you, do you have any give a, a sense of, sort of the the financial landscape right now and the uncertainty surrounding that in, in the college athletic departments that you have ties to through the clients that you serve? Well, I think it's interesting because I think everyone is preparing for the worst, but 
um, not everyone has put in a plan for the worst. So right now, yes, I mean, I'm having clients who have been uh, forced to, or uh, volunteered salary reductions and employees furloughed and, and whatnot. But then there's other clients who the university is trying to avoid that at all costs. And so they're not necessarily being very reactionary to everything else that's going on. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be impacted. It just means that, you know, they're trying to uh, get a better lay of the landscape at this point. Um, you know, I think, Dan, a lot of it, you know, there's, there's two things. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on football. Um, if football right, can right. get started on time and fans can be there, and the schools can uh, generate that revenue or at least um, a portion, a big portion of that revenue that they anticipated, uh, that is going to solve a lot of problems. The other aspect of it, and I think you have to look at this, not just from the football schools, but the non-football schools, is are you gonna start school on time? Because there's so many other things that, I mean, this is where schools are being, being impacted um, other than not, you know, the students are still taking classes online, but they're losing money because they're refunding portions of the housing deposits or the housing right. um, money that, that they paid, or they don't have anyone that's eating in the cafeteria. Um, they're not paying for parking on campus. So there's a lot of other fees that, um, or other ways that the university is making money outside of just the tuition part of it. And so if you can have kids on campus in the dorms come August, then that is also going to be, um, you know, a real reason for optimism moving forward. Right. I'm just wondering also, just taking it back to, again, the coaches that you work with and that you talk to on a regular basis uh, through this, as this has unfolded, what questions are they coming to you with? What are the, some of the conversations that you're having with them that are prompted by them? Uh, that, that there may be top of mind awareness is at. I'm, I'm just wondering that, you know, for a coach that's listening to this, and we have a lot of coaches that listen, who might sure. be thinking, you know, I'm worried about, you know, X, Y, and Z, but I'm, I might be the only one. Maybe I'm the only one in this situation. It might be good for them to hear somebody that gets a lot of questions and, and kind of is the shoulder to, to cry on or, or the, the person that they're going to with, uh, with you know, career direction advice that they're they're needing what conversations are you having? What are you seeing being sort of the big topics that uh, that they're asking you about? Well, I think, you know, as we look at it, um, and again, not every coach is not benefiting financially in terms of, um, you know, being provided a, a raise and whatnot. But I think, you know, the stability por portion of it is huge these days, um, just in the climate that we're in. And so, you know, weighing the facts of, um, you know, uh, either waiting it out for a complete renegotiation or trying to just get an extension for stability purposes. There's that. Coaches are calling, looking at, um, you know, being forced to reduce their budgets by 20%, 10%. What ways can we do that? You know, what, what suggestions do I have to be able to help them continue to move their programs forward where maybe it's not going to impact their program so much or impact their career um, and resume um, moving forward. And when I say resume, I mean, you know, based around success that they sure. achieve. Right. And so, right. um, so there's a lot of those questions that are, that are coming my way, but 
you know, a big portion of what I'm doing this time of year is just being a sounding board for coaches. And again, I don't say that I have all the answers, but you know, one thing that I know is that the more people that are obviously, um, that I'm speaking with and, and that are confiding in me, um, the more answers that I'm able to provide to coaches regarding specific situations, because you know, no matter what you're going through, you're, you're not alone in this. Someone might be going through it in a different way. And so, um, you know, there's just unfortunately no roadmap or clear uh, answers to anything. Um, each school and, and coach is handling it differently, but just being able to be a sounding board for them during these situations has been huge. Right. We'll be back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick question. What makes a college coach a more intelligent recruiter? Well, it starts with using technology that actually gives you insights and trends when it comes to the recruits you're communicating with. That's the mission of Advanced Recruiting Intelligence. RE gives college coaches the ability to track, rank, and communicate with recruits like no other app available to coaches. And the best part? It costs 20 to 40% less than what most departments are paying for their older recruiting contact management programs. For a free demo, and to see why so many coaches are saving money and using better technology to boost their recruiting results, visit ARIRecruiting.com. And now, back to the show. Uh, if, we, if we go towards sort of the career development part, because every coach obviously is, is coaching it, uh, coaching the team they coach because they love it, and there's a certain passion to it, but it's also their job, it's their career. And I'm just wondering something like this and let's just say it has a ripple effect of two or three years of either reduced budgets or reduced opportunities or there's a lot of uh talk about you know sports that are getting cut or will get cut and so you see this sort of reduced marketplace for coaches so for the coach that's listening to this uh and you know wanting to take their next steps and build the career is it going to be a good time, bad time? And you know, like, what, what sort of is the, the job market forecast uh, that you're seeing around college athletics as a result of what has gone on the last couple of uh, months as we enter May of 2020? Sure. Well, a lot of the jobs that have opened up on the women's side, uh, college basketball have occurred. And when, when I say women's side, I mean Division One level, have occurred because coaches have been at the end of their contracts. And so this goes back to what I was saying before, administrators and universities aren't as much in a position to buy coaches out and essentially pay for two coaches to lead their program. And so um, that's why you're seeing uh, different opportunities out there this year that um, really you're not necessarily seeing on the men's side. Now, the challenge with that comes is that universities then have been forced to reduce salaries um, in terms of what they're paying for their new coach. So that all of a sudden may change the candidate pool. Uh, universities are not able to interview in person. And so that is changing the candidate pool. Um, and then, inter and then uh, without doing the in-person interview, feeling confident, not just in the person, but that it's gonna be a good fit for that candidate. Um, you know, has has really altered thinking. So uh, while there have been uh, different opportunities this offseason, I also think that it's, um, you know, it hasn't been, uh, there's so many different factors that have went into a lot of the hires that wouldn't be taken into consideration 
and probably won't be taken into consideration in future years. So I think that, uh, you know, certainly I'm feeling more optimism uh, in terms of, no, listen, I don't want to see anyone get fired. You know, I hope that there's no openings uh, next year. But, you know, I think that if uh, the climate continues to improve, uh, we're going to see many more uh, Power 5 opportunities, um, unlike the, I think, one or two that there have been this year. Right. You know, there's a lot of uh, legacy family fortunes were made during the Great Depression. And because they were selling at the right time, buying at the right time when it was low. And I, I equate that to what you were just talking about, where, you know, people are looking at this as a negative. Coaches might think about, oh, I've got to reduce my budget by 20 percent. And that's sort of the immediate fire that they're worried about putting out. But long term, to your point, as it begins to recover, it would seem like there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And, and I'm just wondering from, from your standpoint, or as you're advising your clients, what are some of the things you're telling them to do, or that just that you feel coaches should be doing right now during the crisis that will set them up well from a career standpoint after all this is, is said and done? Well, let's let's go back to the budget piece quick. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of with with your administration, I mean, here here's the other thing. Um, if and again, I I was an AD, um, and not every school you know treats it this way, but I can I can say that if you can live without something um, and make do without it, then it's going to be harder to get it back. And so when you're evaluating, if you're forced to cut your budget, um, and you're given the option of figuring out how you can make those adjustments. You know, unless you're given an unreasonable amount, um, you gotta look at stuff that, without expecting it to come back, is it stuff that you can survive? Now, again, these have to be candid conversations that you have to have with your administrator. Right. And so it might be, hey, you know, listen, I can live without this for a year uh, to help, but, you know, this other stuff, if, if we keep it out of the budget in the future, that's fine. But this is something I, I can't live without, um, you know, for more than one year. So I think it's going to take candid conversations. And so, you know, you have to approach it from a program standpoint of, you know, first reducing costs on things that you absolutely can't, um, you know, if you didn't get it back, you can, you can make do with it. Um, now, as far as a career standpoint, I mean, this is a great uh, opportunity because, you know, yes, you're still busy, coaches are busy, uh, administrators are busy, but it's also a great opportunity to take advantage of learning opportunities that are being available to coaches and then just utilize networking. I mean, I've had so many coaches who um, maybe lost touch with me in the past couple of years, um, you know, not necessarily looking for representation, but just touching base. And, um, and I think that's great. And it's the same thing coaches should be doing with uh, with our coaching peers and with administrators as well, you know, take this time to start developing networking as a habit and a workout for their career and start spending and investing in themselves. It's a great point to be able to take this time to get uh, below and to invest in the things that you always wanted to do, but always had the excuse of there was just no time of the day. And, and now there's uh, a lot of time in the day. Um, from a from, on the athletic director side, because you know you have contact and 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 you come from that world as an athletic director, 
what what are kind of the things that they're facing and talking about and having to deal with? I mean, we all know that they're having to make tough decisions and that they're facing some uncertain times. But I guess I'm looking for a little bit of feedback of what you hear happening and the, the feedback that you're getting from athletic directors in, in conversations or maybe, again, through the clients that you serve, what they're hearing from their athletic directors. But but also your advice for athletic directors, uh, given kind of this landscape that they're facing now heading into the 2020-2021 school year. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, the, the advice that I would give them heading into the school year is just be as transparent as possible and excel in communication with your staff. Um, over-communicate, under-assume. And just make sure that your staff understands, even if you don't know anything, that uh, that you're communicating with them as much as possible. I mean, one of the things I'll share with my clients is is that you know your athletic director or your senior women's administrator is sometimes the messenger and not the bad guy. You know, they report to someone as well. And same thing with the president. I mean, so everyone's reporting to someone. Um, and so just because your AD or your sports supervisor might be the one delivering the bad news doesn't mean it's necessarily the person who made that decision. So, you know, understand that during these challenging times. Um, and that, you know, again, you are not, this is not a situation where you alone and your program alone are being impacted. Uh, programs and departments and universities throughout the entire country are facing the same thing, just at different levels. Um, as far as the, you know, conversations, I mean, I think that, again, you know, the financial impact that it's had on, on uh, departments, you know, a lot of times with, um, especially with clients who have been in position to, um, and not necessarily clients, but in terms of coaches in general who, um, you know, were in for possible big paydays, universities are, uh, you know, just trying to maintain their budget at the same level and uh, instead of obviously, you know, unfortunately not uh, being able to put more into it. And so I think athletic directors are trying to work with their coaches as much as possible under the circumstances. Um, but just as it is for me in terms of advice, uh, things are changing every day. And so that goes back, let's circle back to the beginning where it's just that communication piece of it is just, is huge. Um, even if you don't know anything, just you know, making sure that your staff's aware that you're there for them. I mean, part of your job as, again, a representative for the coaches, um, an agent in the discussion that they have with their athletic departments, I'm just wondering with the financial crisis, budgets being reduced and everything, sort of the money side of college athletics, does that from a, at least a short-term, if not a long-term process, does that hurt some coaching salaries moving forward? In other words, if, if you know, an AD who wants to either retain a coach or bring in a new one, are you going to start hearing, hey, you know, we wish we could pay him or her more, but, and then they, you know, lay out their reasoning from a financial side. I guess how much of a battle are coaches going to face from a, a career earning standpoint moving forward, at least over the next couple of uh, years? Well, I mean, I, listen, at, at this point, um, you know, administrators, again, you know, they're, a lot of them aren't necessarily in a position or would it be good PR to, to do anything in terms of increased compensation. But I mean, you see it all the time regardless. I think that, 
you know, there are a lot of schools who they might love their women's basketball coach or their men's basketball coach, but they can only pay them a certain amount of money. And if that coach leaves because they can get an opportunity that's 20000 more, it's not necessarily that the coach, that the administrator doesn't want them to stay. It's just that's all that they can pay them. And so you might start seeing a more, more harder line in terms of what, uh, you know, what departments are able to pay some of their higher-earning coaches. From a coach hearing that, and you know, and I'm talking to the head coaches, assistant coaches that are are in this for the career too. And at some point, what you're making in your career starts to affect how you approach and view your career. Mm-hmm. Are there things that, again, strategically they can start doing to either build build the resources of their resume? as to why they are that person that deserves that bump or a little bit more um, aside from just having a talented agent and representative go in and, and negotiate for them. Are there things that I guess coaches, no matter what their level, no matter what their position, could be doing to demonstrate that they are the one that's the exception, that they do deserve it based on you know A, B, and C that they bring forward in, in the resume or skill sets? Sure. So as far as, you know, if we're talking about the revenue generating sports, obviously a big component of that is how well you do on the court or the field. But in terms of, I think, other sports, um, you know, one, what type of person you are, what type of program you run, you know, is your athletic director or sports supervisor dealing with issues constantly amongst your program or are your student athletes having a great student athlete experience? Um, we can do a whole podcast on uh, you know, student athlete experience evaluations. Um, but you know, that's, that's a huge component of it. You know, are you running, uh, an adequate program? Are you staying under budget? You know, so I think there's a lot of things too, that if an athletic director knows what they're getting from his coach and they're running a competitive program and, um, they don't make the AD or senior women's administrator or sports supervisor's job any harder than it is, um, they're going to provide value that way. Just speaking to that student athlete experience, it might be fun to circle back around uh, in the near future to to talk about that. How is that impacting the job market in terms of the feedback from, I guess you could say, you know, from your customers, from the people that you're serving, which are the student athletes? How do you see that factoring in right now, crisis or no crisis, to uh, to job, you know, what's happening in the job market or the ability for a coach to get a job? And I guess what to what level are those? opinions and that feedback being listened to on the on the hiring side well uh you know obviously student athlete experiences whether it's weighed heavily or not is something that administrators are talking extensively about i mean the best advice i can have for your coaches uh for the coaches is to just make sure that there's an extensive level of communication with your administrators, regardless of if an issue is minor or major, and that there are no surprises to them. At the same sense, make sure they're around your program. Invite them on the road to travel with you. Invite them into practice so they can get to know you and see how you interact with your student athletes outside of just what is being said in a student athlete survey or based on what they're saying to you. Now, as far as impacting the job market, I mean, you know, I think that you're, uh, it's been easier to do this off season. I've seen more student athletes take an active role in terms of being involved in the interview process. Um, 
with with coaches um, and being able to to uh, interact with them via Zoom and whatnot. But at the end of the day, the athletic director has to make the best decision for them, and they're not going to hire someone based on you know a half hour interview with a with a coach unless they completely bomb that interview. Um, but you know what it does is at least allows the student athletes to feel like they've been um, involved in the process. Right. So I guess my closing for our coaches listening to this, your takeaways and advice moving forward that if there were two or three things they should be focusing on both in their careers now, as well as the careers that they want to have, what would those, uh, what would those things be? Well, I think just, I think using this time to network, um, you know, this is, this is a time where everything's kind of at a standstill. And I'm not saying, like I said before, that people aren't busy. People are exceptionally busy. Um, but, you know, utilize this time to really establish, you know, what you want out of your career, where you want your career to ultimately end up, and then reconnect with administrators and coaches of your past and reconnect with new coaches and start building that network that can help you moving forward. I think this is a great time for it. And then using it as a career development platform. I mean, again, coaches are, especially for head coaches, you know, one thing I've said to my clients is use this time to evaluate everything that you're doing with your program, from how you scout to your nutrition, to your strength conditioning program, your playbook. Use this time to do things that you wouldn't necessarily have time to do, but would want to do. Um, and that's going to help you be better prepared. It's going to help your team be more cohesive and, and organized. And so just being able to take advantage of the time that we're unfortunately being given now is huge. So coach, now it's up to you. You have to continue to manage your career, hopefully with the advice and expertise of someone like Brian. All of his contact information is in the show notes. You can find him on Twitter, all the social media, or go to his website, which again, we'll link to all that in the show notes here on the podcast. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Hopefully it was helpful, especially as you map out your career moving forward as a college coach and recruiter. Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We'll be back again with another episode soon, so keep listening, tell your fellow coaches about it, and be great out there, Coach. Thanks. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.